The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. It's called The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toth because that's the title, The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toth. And those are our names, which is convenient because we didn't have to reprint anything. The Shallow End with Dickens and Fenster. That would not have, uh, <laughs> you know, that Dickens wouldn't have... Dickens and uh, Fenster. How's that for a way back reference? So I uh, I had, I, I'm very almost proud to uh, to admit this, I had my own Shallow End... Uh, moment this morning <laughs> on a hike, and it involves Box. I was listening to the previous episode of Box where you and Kat were talking about Teddy Roosevelt and doing your Teddy Roosevelt impressions. Bully! Bully! And uh, I, I don't remember if it was you or Kat that said, I've got uh, stripes on my swimsuit. Yes, yeah. And I laughed so hard out in the middle of nowhere on my four-mile hike. <laughs> and about 30 seconds later... In putting the phone in my pocket, the audio goes away just completely. And I think, what the hell? So I think, well, maybe it's my AirPods. And so I pull those out and I reset them, reboot them. Uh, still, still no audio. I think, well, it must be my phone. So I reboot the phone, power it back up. Still no audio. Hmm. And then think, well, I guess I've got to do both. So I power both the earbuds and the phone down, reboot them, start playing, no audio. And I think, what are the odds that that both of these objects would die at the exact same time? Mm. And just happen to look at the screen and realize that I have turned the volume down to zero. (laughs) Like a freaking idiot. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? That was a shallow end moment, you jerk. <laughs> so you should come clean and tell your shallow end listeners that you had a shallow end moment. We uh, we all have them from time to time. And you and I were discussing before we started this uh, recording session about how forgetful we're becoming. And I think it's a function of age. I literally, will, I've done this a number of times, and it almost sounds cliche to say, but I'll go into the kitchen to get something to finish a job I was doing in the other room, and I right. forget why I went into the kitchen. And then the other day, I was making some lunch, and I put the milk in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> How long did that last? Uh, I was there probably 20 minutes before I realized, yeah, and uh, I didn't feel comfortable drinking it after that so i i threw it out 20 minutes i would have i would have just put it back in the refrigerator the, <laughs> the worst thing is when 
you don't realize your mistake and and your spouse opens the cupboard and sees the carton of milk and thinks, hmm. Yeah, right, yeah. Maybe t- maybe take JG in for an exam. In in my defense, um, I would say to Kat in that situation, uh, hey, remember the time that you didn't have any cat treats for the stray cats in Thailand and you bought a package of freeze-dried cuttlefish and forgot and left it in your purse. Oh, God. And it was like 95 degrees and excessively oh, humid. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. This is how we get ants. This is how we get ants. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Gee, many Christmas. Well, you go ahead and tell me a story. I believe it's your turn to go first. I has a friend who's a retired district attorney, and he said to me a while back that jails are so full because, as he put it, quote, there are so many dumb people out there who think they can get away with it, mm-hmm. close quote. So this story actually reminded me of the whole premise of the movie Home Alone. Imagine a real-life uh, Harry Lime and, and Marv M- Merchings, wasn't it, from, the, from Home Alone? The Wet Bandits. Yeah. Two burglars who think they're so close to getting away with it, what could possibly go wrong? So let me set this up. This is actually just a few weeks ago. In Milwaukee. Really? Our story starts with a realtor named Erica Winship. And Erica works at a company called Premier Point Realty. Now, they're a very prestigious firm. They've got, they're, they're huge. They've got over 70 agents on, on their staff, according to their website. And when you read Erica's bio, you can tell that she is sharp. She's cutting edge. She's very good at what she does. So she has this property that she had been prepping for resale. So it was vacant. And she was having contractors in who were, uh, you know, uh, doing some upgrades, uh, sure. painting, uh, just trying to spiff it up, make make some upgrades and, and make it an even nicer house to go on the market. Well, two geniuses had been what we would probably, back in the 40s, they, they would call it casing the joint. Remember that mm-hmm. in sure. old films? Yeah. That's when they referred to uh, police officers as coppers. Right, right. Copper. So I'm picturing the cigar-smoking cop with the beaten fedora says, <laughs> we think the perps have been casing the joint for days, weeks even. That's my 1940s cop voice. Very yeah. well done. So these two crooks f- have been casing the joint and... They finally figure the time is right. So they break in through the front door, broad daylight. But uh, my guess is that they're thinking people are just going to think we're contractors because people have been going in and out of this house, you know, parking their pickups in the in the driveway or on the on the front uh, front yard. Now, these guys go to town and they bust into this house and there are building supplies there are power tools, $10,000 worth Ooh. of tools that contractors have been using to improve the home before it, it hits the market. Now, people driving by would have seen these guys inside and just assumed, oh, yeah, more contractors. I mean, first off, it's broad daylight and people in this neighborhood have, have been watching contractors lugging tools in and out of the house, you know, for, for weeks So these two thieves very brazenly take their time ransacking the house. How do we know all this, J.G.? How do we know how long they were in there? 
and what they were talking about, stuff like that. Um, I'm guessing uh, closed-circuit television cameras? Well, you are on fire. There was a security camera hidden inside the house. It was wireless. (laughs) It was made by a company called Arlo. And if you go to their website, you can see exactly what camera had been hidden in the house. So at some point, one of these these asshats sees the camera and he walks over to it and and picks it up and stares at it <laughs> and erica the the realtor says so some some guy picks up the camera and says what's this and then he just sort of shrugs and and throws the camera in the bag <laughs> now <laughs> here's what here's what genius didn't realize was that the camera was live at the time mm-hmm. that this happened. Right. It's a battery-operated camera. It's wireless, and it finds a cellular signal and then broadcasts live in real time everything that it sees and hears. So Erica, the realtor, realtor says, I'm guessing that they may not know that this was still running in the house <laughs> because... Why would they openly show their faces on a camera as they are stealing from a job site? So these two guys eventually wrap up their so-called work. I don't know if you could call it work. I guess <laughs> if that's your, if you're a crook. Yeah, that's your job. You're on the clock. You're crooking. So they load these, these thousands of dollars in tools and other supplies into their truck and they drive off broadcasting their conversation as they drive back to one of their houses where they unload all of their stolen gear and actually set the camera down in their kitchen facing the kitchen. Oh, that's perfect. Isn't this priceless? So according to the website, this Arlo website, the the brand of camera that they used, these wireless cameras, such as the one stolen, can continue filming for three to six months without dying because it's it's very compact and it's got a phenomenal battery life. That's incredible. I, I have to get I have to get one of these. That's what I thought. I thought I'm going to find me one of the one of these Arlo cameras and and set it up. So there's nothing quite like seeing karma in action because what these guys don't realize is that Erica, the real estate broker, is watching this whole thing in real time. So while they manage to successfully break into the property, steal all this stuff, they forgot one crucial thing, that it's probably best not to take the security camera with you, particularly if it's still switched on, and broadcasting everything that it's seeing and hearing. So Erica is watching these guys as they're sitting at their kitchen table. This is like a really dark version of the Truman Show. Exactly. You're, you're, you're precisely right. She says to a newspaper reporter, it's on right now. We can see everything. So she and the police <laughs> are watching and they have an inside view of the burglar's house even a week After the crime took place. And she says, quote, on camera, these burglars are talking about stealing the tools 
from the house that she had been getting ready to sell. So not only are they talking about stealing those tools, mm-hmm. they talk in great detail about who they sold the tools to, <laughs> how much money they made, where uh, they spent the money, yeah. and they're also talking about drugs. And in fact, they're even doing drugs in in front of this camera, unaware that they are being watched and heard. Now, Erica understandably uh, says that her satisfaction in in her hope that these guys get caught that it's still been a tough situation to deal with. And she brings up a really good point. She says they may or may not know the camera is still transmitting. I don't think they really care. She said the damages to the house cost her extra money. Those tools have to be replaced. You know, they belong to other to other people. It pushed the sale of the home uh, back weeks. And she says... It's really disheartening when someone works hard to rev up a house, make sure it's occupiable and lovely for someone to live, and then someone else just comes through and destroys that. And and she's got a really good point. So despite the camera, which, as I said, uses a cellular network, reveals the home of one or both of the burglars, and it's showing clear images, which hopefully are going to lead to these to these guys being identified As we go to press, no arrests have yet been made, according to the Milwaukee police. It's an ongoing investigation. But chances are that the cops are going to knock on their door because these guys are dropping hints and names and detailed (laughs) conversations at their kitchen table as they boast about how much they sold the the stolen goods for and they continue to, uh, to do illegal drugs on camera. What they should do this will flush them out is they should take a screenshot of the guys like one of them and in a really embarrassing one and then post it do you know who this guy is or these guys are you know like a picture of the guy he wanders out into the kitchen at two o'clock in the morning to get a drink of milk and it's a picture (laughs) of him in his underpants drinking out of the carton right (laughs) <laughs> and then putting the carton of milk in the cupboard. In the cupboard mm-hmm. for the missus to find. Mm-hmm. Erica says it's like an episode of the world's dumbest criminals. Mm-hmm. I got this from WISN-TV, KMIZ-TV, and the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And actually what's cool is a listener named Cindy in uh, Grafton, Wisconsin, sent this story about 24 hours after I had stumbled across it on the web. And to to your point, JG, uh, at one point, this guy walks up to the camera and I don't know what he's looking for, but he's got his hand on his junk. Oh, I know what he's looking for. (laughs) The listener named Cindy says, enjoy the video now in possession of the Milwaukee Police Department. You can watch these geniuses doing drugs and discussing where they sold the loot. (laughs) The dancing dude apparently needs to continually adjust his junk. Itchy? Perhaps he picked up some bacteria from the pool water in the shallow end. Nice. Love you guys. Cindy in Grafton, Wisconsin. Thank you, Cindy. Cindy, thank you so much for contacting us. And uh, it's it's so strange when those things happen. You're in the process of doing a story and then somebody submits the same story. It's like confirmation from the universe. It's, yeah. I have to do this story now. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like the, uh, the, the fates were conspiring that uh, that you needed to do this story incredible that's the first time that it, that had ever happened to me that uh, something I had already been uh, looking at and researching got sent in 
uh, after the fact by a uh, by a listener. But it just shows to goes to show that we're we're very much on the same page. On the box of oddities, I had uh, received an email, and it was late at night from from one of the listeners and uh, one of the freaks, and said, "Would you please do an episode on X Y Z?" And just by coincidence, I had done that episode for the very next drop, which was like in an hour. So seriously, they send a text saying, "Will you do an episode on this an hour later, a fully produced episode on that topic was released. <laughs> and, and the next morning, I got another email saying, well, that was fast. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You've heard of the AARP, the interest group focusing on issues affecting people over the age of 50. But did you know there's an AARP for dogs, cats, and other animals? We're the American Association of Retired Pets. This AARP is different because it's just for your aging pet. AARP pets get discounts on bones at the doggy treat store, free transportation to vet appointments, discounts on grooming services, teeth cleaning, and more. And our lobbyists in Washington are fighting hard to get social security for any pet over the age of seven. See if your pet's eligible for retirement benefits. They may not have opposable thumbs, but they'll thank you nonetheless. AARP, the American Association of Retired Pets. Who's a good boy? JG, have you ever heard of the expression CISO? That's S-E-S-O? I don't think so. That's because I just invented it. Ah, a CISO, S-E-S-O, is a shallow end shout out. <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to give this. a shout out to my niece, Sedona Heidinger, who, uh, when I was visiting uh, her in Arizona a few weeks ago, she very offhandedly <laughs> made a kind of a passing reference to AARP for dogs and a light bulb went off and I immediately grabbed my phone <laughs> and... Uh, and thought that's a shallow end spot. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. my thanks to uh, to my dear niece Sedona for the uh, for the idea for that spot. The email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com If you've got stories, um, questions, comments, anything at all, we would love it if you would record your story 
in your very own voice on your very own phone and send it to you. We love being able to play uh, play back those. This is an email from a listener named uh, Caroline who lives in Hermosa Beach. She says, hi, guys, I'm obsessed with your podcast. I have a story for you from 1967. My mother, Gail, was an RN, registered nurse at the University of Michigan Hospital before marrying my dad and having a family. She was working in a department dedicated to outpatient gynecology. A woman we'll name her Paula came in to ask for birth control. Paula had six children and was interested in not having any more kids. <laughs> yeah. I would lose interest after two. That's just Yeah, me. we can't blame blame Paula for that. So Gail instructed her how to use a diaphragm with a spermicide jelly, contraceptive gel. Okay. She also instructed her to insert the diaphragm before going to bed and to remove it in the morning, assuming that she and her husband would get busy at bedtime. I guess that's a logical assumption. So off Paula went. Two months later, 60 days, Paula shows up again in the hospital with terrible itching and pain in her nether regions. Gail discovers during this woman's exam that she was not only pregnant (laughs) with her seventh child, but she had developed an infection due to the fact that her spermicide jelly prescription had run out. So the woman had begun to use her diaphragm. Her diaphragm. I like where this is going. With with Smucker's grape jelly. Her entire genital area had turned a deep purple. My mom also learned that her husband worked the night shift, so their baby making occurred during the day. That little bit of important information was not divulged by Paula. Originally, this woman was surprised to learn that she was pregnant because she followed Gail's instructions to insert the diaphragm before bedtime and remove it every morning. Lo and behold, her her husband was at work during that time. Thank you, Caroline, from Hermosa Beach. And we're guessing, Paula, probably that the seventh child was, was her her last yeah let's let's hope if that was their intention and 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 desire i wonder if they if they named the seventh child if they gave it a a a middle name of smuckers or grape or (laughs) yeah something like that well it's interesting you mentioned that because that uh, malady is now referred to in the medical community as smuckers crotch (laughs) i did not know that yeah Yeah, (laughs) that is weird stuff i did not know that you mentioned we really appreciate it when people send in uh, emails and tell us stories, whether it's their dip in the shallow end or they witnessed a dip in the shallow end. Uh, you can either write it or you can record it. Adrian recorded hers. I used to be a court clerk for a very small town, and we had quite a bit of court-appointed community service as a way to be able to help people pay off their fines. And that was something that I was also in charge of organizing. So a lot of times what would happen is people would come in and they would make arrangements with me, make a plan, and I would have them come back the next day. 
So we had a couple that came in and they, you know, were in the office and used the restroom. And the next day they came in and, you know, were acting like they were getting ready to go do their community service. And one of them had a backpack, went to the restroom, and then the other one went to the car. Then the other person quickly ran back out to the car, which I thought was odd. So I just went into the restroom to like make sure they hadn't done anything crazy, like try to clog the toilet or something. And I noticed in the corner that our shark robot vacuum was missing. So a little backstory on the shark vacuum. Um, I had been bothering my boss for a few years, like, hey, can we get an office pet? Obviously that was a big no. So we got this shark vacuum and I had to make it the office pet. So I named it Baby Shark Do 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 Do, like the song, because uh, it was really popular with my kids at the time. We just sort of treated it like the office pet because long days in a small city, you gotta have something to keep you, you know, amused. I was looking and I didn't see the shark vacuum and I thought, that's really weird, but there was a big towel wadded up in the floor right there. And so I kind of kicked the towel thinking maybe it was under there and it wasn't. And then I got a notification on my phone something along the lines of baby shark do 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 has left range or something like that and it immediately clicked with me what happened the the people that were there had stolen the shark vacuum and left a towel in the floor instead i ran out of the bathroom and was like stop them stop those people because i have a flair for the dramatic and everybody's like what what's going on what's going on i was like they stole baby shark so my boss was really quick thinking and she knows the owner of the local pawn shop that's the closest one to the office and called them and said hey you know if somebody comes in there and tries to sell a shark robot vacuum in the next few minutes let us know uh, they actually did they went to the closest pawn shop to the city hall <laughs> and tried to sell it and so they got their identification um, the police were not able to make it in time in order to you know apprehend them and get baby shark back but they did later on end up getting arrested for something else and were able to get some justice for baby shark they never actually found baby shark so we don't really know what happened to it but he did end up receiving justice i just could not believe that someone would do that i guess moral of the story there is don't ever trust anyone with a backpack in a bathroom that's uh that is uh extremely good advice on many levels i picture in her hometown uh these uh have you seen me flyers stapled to uh telephone <laughs> to phone poles, poles. <laughs> yeah with, with a picture of a robot of a robot <laughs> like a roomba on it i love that she named it baby shark yeah yeah Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the Lost Colony of Roanoke? 
Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, part of the Airwave Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir de zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. Clement Vallandigham. It's a name. He was a lawyer and a politician. He was born on July 29, 1820 in New Lisbon, Ohio, and he was a member of the Democratic Party and served in the U.S. House of Representatives from Ohio's 3rd Congressional District. He was a controversial figure in his day. He was known for his anti-war and pro-Confederate beliefs during the Civil War. Okay. His political career was marked uh, by, he had a very strong belief and some very controversial views uh, that uh, didn't line up with either his party or the other party. Interesting. He was not a big Lincoln guy, but he was also not really, I don't know. He, the only people that really seemed to be behind him were his local constituents. He argued that the Civil War was unconstitutional. His anti-war stance and pro-Confederate beliefs made him a very divisive figure. I can and, imagine. He was, like I said, often at odds with uh, President Lincoln and the Republicans, but also his fellow Democrats. Now, one of his colleagues, a guy named Thomas McGahan, was a, a political ally, a fellow member of the Democratic Party. Now, McGahan was a lawyer and a politician from Maryland who had been accused of treason during the Civil War. Wow. He was expected of conspiring with Confederate forces to overthrow the uh, the Union government in Maryland. Vallandigham defended McGahan during the trial, arguing that his client was innocent and that the charges against him were politically motivated. Despite Vallandigham's efforts, McGahan was found guilty, sentenced to prison. Really what it did is it cemented uh, Vallandigham's reputation as a controversial figure who was willing to defend those accused of crimes related to the Civil War. Now, it appears as though the McGahan family themselves had their share of legal trouble. <laughs> it wasn't just Thomas. His brother John was charged with murder. Oh, my gosh. John was a, a younger brother. And uh, this became a really high-profile case in Ohio in 1871. John McGahan was accused of shooting and killing a man in Hamilton County. The trial garnered uh, significant attention from imagine. not just the local population, but the media, uh, the media in general. Clement was hired as McGahan's defense attorney. And I'm not sure why, because, you know, he lost the case for his brother. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, he'll do better this time. Right. John McGahan was charged with the murder of Thomas Meyer in Hamilton County in uh, 1871. The trial attracted significant uh, media attention. Now, Vallandigham argued that the shooting was accidental. This was his defense, was that uh, McGahan didn't shoot him, that Myers accidentally shot himself while drawing a gun from his pocket. 
That's a novel defense. Certainly at the time. The prosecution, though, presented witnesses who testified that McGahn had threatened to kill Myers many times in the past and that he had been seen near the scene of the shooting on the day it occurred. Now, Valen Diggum was a staunch defender of civil liberties at the time and especially due process. So he he did take McGahn's case and he took it very seriously and argued passionately during the trial, despite the overwhelming evidence against McGahn. He maintained that uh, the shooting had been accidental and that his client had been wrongfully accused. I guess he saw this case as an opportunity to defend the principles of justice and fairness, and he approached it with, uh, with a lot of zeal. He wanted to show that everybody deserves their day in court, whether or not the evidence is overwhelming. Which is admirable. While defending John McGahn, during a demonstration related to the case, Valendigam attempted to demonstrate that the victim's death could have been caused by accidentally shooting himself while drawing a gun from his pocket. His theory was that Myers was attempting to uh, take the gun out of his vest and uh, he had a small pistol and he said that uh, it was more than possible that while pulling the pistol from his vest, he accidentally shoots himself in the abdomen. Hmm. Now, Clement had a bit of a flair for the dramatic and certainly courtroom theatrics. He was known to be quite flamboyant and persuasive in his arguments. And so to demonstrate that his theory was not only a possibility, but likely he staged a recreation with himself playing the part of Tom Myers. Boldly standing in front of the jury box and next to the judge's bench made his uh, persuasive argument. And to show how easily this accident could have happened, he pulled from his vest a pistol that was very much like the one that killed Tom Myers. Oh, no. Now, he was under the impression that the pistol was not loaded, but unfortunately, he was wrong. So, in demonstrating to the jury his theory, he pulled the pistol and accidentally shot himself right in the abdomen. <laughs> Just, as he said, could have been a possibility. Wow. Talk about a defense strategy. Way to prove a point, huh? He was immediately rushed to a nearby hospital where his doctors attempted to treat his injuries, but despite their efforts, he died the following day from his oh, wounds. good grief. His death was uh, clearly a, a tragic yet highly ironic accident. It shocked his supporters and his colleagues, and it highlighted the dangers of courtroom theatrics and the need <laughs> for caution when handling firearms. The circumstances leading up to his death highlighted the risks of challenges inherent in the pursuit of justice and the defense of civil liberties. It serves as a cautionary tale for those who seek to engage in high-profile legal battles with pistols. <laughs> in a further twist of irony, even though Clement had shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that his theory was possible, the jury ultimately found McGahn guilty of murder. Wow. Um, yep. He was sentenced to life in prison. Wow. The trial was certainly notable for its sensationalism. It was followed by everybody. And it further cemented Valendigam's reputation as a controversial figure who was willing to defend those accused of crimes, even in the face of overwhelming evidence. Good so, grief. So he proves his point by killing himself and still loses the case. Yeah, that's a double whammy. That, that had to sting even if he was in heaven. It was like, really? I went through all that? Wow, that doesn't seem right. My source information, Wikipedia and History.com. I loves me some ironic, shallow-end history. 
I just love courtroom antics. I think we can all agree upon that. Lifeguard at shallowandpodcast.com. You can uh, send us your correspondence. We love, love, love hearing from you. And it's easy to do. Just record it on your phone. You don't need a fancy recording studio. Send that audio file in. And uh, good Lord, well, the cricks don't rise, as they used to say. At least I think they used to say that. You can hear your very own story and your very own voice on the Shallow End Podcast. We'll see you next time. And remember, it's important to make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, you gotta go. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.